0: Welcome to the Yogi Fuel Podcast, the podcast that's all about up leveling your health, your practice, and your consciousness. We'll be taking the ancient wisdom of yoga and Ayurveda mixed with modern science, having conscious conversations with spiritual thought leaders and alternative health professionals, and sometimes just me sharing my own experiences and knowledge to support you on your spiritual journey. I'm your host, Melissa Singh, and this is the Yogi Fuel Podcast. All right, guys, welcome back. This episode is really, really important to me. Um, It's something that I have been realizing that we need to talk a lot more about. Um, And I don't want to say especially in in the yoga community, but in general. um, The topic of conversation today is ideals in nutrition and it's something I'm realizing the more that I share with people, the more that I coach so many of you, the more that I interact with so many of you, whether that's, you know, people who listen to the podcast or people on Instagram, the more that I'm realizing that we are so lost in terms of, you know, what it is that we need to be eating. We're caught up in these external ideals and we're disconnected from what it is that we want and that we need to feel truly deeply nourished and that so many of us are allowing these external ideals, these you know external fad diets or these labels around nutrition to impact and to get in the way of our own inner wisdom. And so I wanted to do an episode to share with you that like if you are someone right now in this moment or in this time, this space of your life, who feels like you're struggling with, you know, what you should be eating, and you feel conflicted because maybe you're a yogi and you hear from lots of people that vegetarianism or veganism is like a V way to be a yogi, and maybe that doesn't work for you. Maybe you're someone who has tried veganism several times, or you're desperately trying veganism now, and you feel tired and depleted and anxious and ungrounded. I want to share with you that that's Okay that you can still orient your life in a direction of nonviolence and in a yogic way without adhering to strict veganism. And it's really sucks because I feel like I've seen a lot of other like yogis judging other yogis, yogi on yogi violence here. <laughs> Hashtag not ahimsa. You know, some people can be really judgmental if you don't align with this vegan ideal in yoga. And what I want to say really loud for the people in the back, and I feel like I talk about this a lot, and I want to say like I'm not anti-vegan at all. I'm a mostly vegan person, though I did eat an egg this weekend, y'all. If you fo- follow me on Instagram, you will know I ate an egg. And I made a big deal about it because I really want to share with you that you can still orient, like I said, you can still orient your life in this nonviolent way, while still deeply honoring what it is that your body needs. And so, like I said, I do see people out there judging, admonishing, criticizing other yogis for not necessarily living in alignment with this vegan ideal, but we need to get that there is no one size fits all for nutrition. And I'm going to say that louder for the people in the back. And I may have talked about this more on here, but I feel like it needs to be said. There is no one size fits all nutrition protocol, period. Period. Every body is different. Literally every body is different. Here's the reality. I'm going to go all like, woohoo on you for a second, but it's going to go somewhere. I promise. Okay. We are infinite consciousness having an individual experience. Each and every single one of us is an expression of Shakti, of consciousness, right? We are a little piece of this bigger consciousness that wants to experience itself. And it wants to experience all of the possible different manifestations of itself. And so in saying that, we are literally all different. And if we look around the room, even in an asana class, okay. And so I practice ashtanga yoga, right? And so we all kind of do the same thing. We all start at the same place and then, you know, we all go to wherever we can go. And if you're a teacher and you're listening to this, you might look around the room at any given point, whether it's in an Ashtanga class or whatever type of class you teach. And while everyone's doing the exact same pose, I bet you everyone looks a little bit different because everyone's body, even on the outside, is different. We have different physical manifestations of different postures, and we have different manifestations of the way that we digest, assimilate, and eliminate different foods and nutrition. And so if we can see really clearly... That from a physical perspective, our bodies respond differently to different movements, right? Or that different bodies respond differently to the exact same movement. We want to start extrapolating that knowledge to our digestive system and get that not all bodies are going to respond the same way to the same diet. And so while I think that veganism is great, I think it's a great direction to move toward. I think that favoring a Whole foods, all or mostly plant based diet, is the best diet for everyone with different um, variations. We can talk about that later. While I think that that's the best, we need to honor that the exact same foods inside of a whole foods plant based diet are not going to work for everyone. And I want to share with you this like analogy that I thought of um, a little while ago that I shared with my husband today because, like I said, we ate an egg on the weekend and both my husband and I have been vegan for like I don't know, five, six years for a long time. And so I came home today and I bought eggs. I brought them into the house. I haven't actually like brought eggs into our house. And I said, hey, so I bought these eggs. Like, are you cool with that? Like, do you feel weird about it? And anyways, it just sparked up this whole conversation. And we started talking about the idea of discipline and nutrition and practice. And I, and it was such an interesting conversation because I'm a big believer in discipline. Like, I think discipline is a good thing. I think discipline in our sadhana, like in our practice is a very valuable thing. And I've said this over and over again, I think that discipline needs to be met with a level of ease and honoring our body. And I think that our nutrition needs to be that way as well, right? Because you know, if we had no discipline in our nutrition, like we'd all go around eating, like, I don't know, ice cream for dinner. Like one time my friend was like, man, When you're a grown-up, you actually realize you could go to, you could literally go right now to the grocery store, buy five tubs of ice cream, and you could eat that for dinner. Because if you're listening to this, you might be a grown ass woman or man, and your mom ain't home to be like, Mel, are you eating ice cream for dinner? Like you actually could go eat ice cream for dinner right now, but you don't. Why? Because you have a certain level of discipline that tells you that if you eat ice cream for dinner, you're going to feel like shit. (laughs) So you don't. So there is a a role and a value to having discipline and having the awareness that, you know, these certain foods are going to make me feel really good and they're going to be really nourishing for my body and to adhere to those foods for like the majority of time. But the ease to be able to honor the body when there's like a delicious cupcake at a birthday party and you want to eat that cupcake, like that's the role of ease. And so my husband and I were talking about that inside of like practice, right? Um, And so we do Ashtanga yoga. And so if you don't do Ashtanga yoga, I'm just going to give you like a little Coles notes on like what the practice is all about so you can have some context for like what I'm about to talk about. So in Ashtanga yoga... We do the same shit every day, <laughs> which sounds boring, but it's actually really interesting. So basically in Ashtanga yoga, you everyone starts at the very beginning of primary series and you work through the different sequences with a teacher. Everybody starts at the same way. You go in the exact same order through the exact same poses and you, you end up where you end up. You basically stop where your body... Can't go anymore. <laughs> and your teacher guides you through the process. And you and the idea with Ashtanga is that we cultivate this discipline, this tapas, where we show up each day on our mat and we we, you know, we show up even even when we don't feel like it. And so my husband was like, How do you, you know, how do we navigate the practice inside of what you're saying about everybody being different and everybody responding to things differently. Like he's like, you're telling me that everybody needs something different. So then how can we say that Ashtanga yoga is a good practice when you're telling me that, you know, there is no one-size-fits-all nutrition protocol for people? Like he's he just couldn't conceptualize like what I was saying. And, and I get how that seems um, confusing. So I want to explain to you what I mean using Ashtanga as a metaphor um, for diet as well. So the way I explained it to him, how I see it is that Ashtanga yoga, okay, and the method of Ashtanga yoga is the equivalent of eating a whole foods, all or mostly plant-based diet. So very factually, the best foods for any body are going to be foods that are whole, real foods that favor a lot of plants Um, And maybe some animal products or animal flesh, as they call it in Ayurveda, but real food. Okay. And so the method of Ashtanga yoga is kind of like eating real food, right? I think every body can do Ashtanga yoga and that we can still honor our body inside of that. And so I said to my husband, it's like how we honor our body inside of both of these things, Um, because in Ashtanga yoga as well, people can get really dogmatic and Oftentimes, sorry, I have to backtrack to sort of like further explain something. So there is a danger in being too obsessed and rigid about a certain external protocol. For example, if we are so obsessed with veganism, and you know, every day we fake up, we wake up, we feel like shit, and we're tired, and we're just like run down and we're burnt out and we don't feel good and we have no energy that's not good. <laughs> okay. Like we have a Dharma here on earth that we have to fulfill and we can't fulfill that if we wake up every day feeling like shit. Okay. And same in Ashtanga yoga, we can see this all the time. I'm sure if you're an Ashtanga teacher or a practitioner, you see this. There are these people who every single day they show up and they give it a hundred percent and they break their back in backbends and they do every pose at hundred percent every day when it's not serving them. Okay. So, so this is what I want to paint a picture of for you is that oftentimes we give over our personal power to these external ideals um, and we think that we need to follow them to a T and that if we don't, we're somehow bad or wrong or not good enough. And if, and when we do that, um, it's actually really detrimental for us. Okay. So I feel like I had to explain that first. Now I'm going to go back and I'm going to parallel a whole foods, all or mostly plant-based diet to Ashtanga. So in Ashtanga, the actual expectation is that you show up every day. That's actually just the expectation. You show up every day, you start at point A, which is Surya Namaskar A. (laughs) You start at Surya Namaskar A, and then you go through your practice. And so maybe most days you go through your practice. I'll use me as an example. So let's say that each day I show up, I go through my practice, and usually I feel really great come Kapotasana, but one day I come in, my back really hurts. So I do my, you know, I start to go through kapotasana, which is a really deep back bend if you don't do ashtanga. I start to go through it and I notice, hmm, like my back really hurts. Well, that's interesting. And then I try again and I'm like, oh man, that's that really hurts. I'm like, okay. So I kind of, you know, try again, still really hurts. So I call my teacher over and maybe I say, hey, David, because that's my teacher. Hey, David, my back actually re- really hurts today. Maybe he'd be like, huh, okay, well, let's, let's try this one thing. Maybe we try that thing and it doesn't work. He would say, okay, let's either, you know, just like try and go to a point where it, you know, feels okay. Or let's just, you know, like move on today and stop. That's what would happen right? It's like, I'm actually using the practice to tune into my body, right? I'm still going through the framework. I'm still going through the, you know, the poses in their correct order. I'm still doing the movements, but I'm tuning into my body and I'm honoring my body inside the context of the practice. And so I said to him, for example, inside of a whole foods, plant-based diet, generally speaking, I follow a vegan diet with the exception of like a ghee sometimes. And again, that was also something where I tuned into my body and it felt good but inside of eating an egg this was something that i had actually craved for like weeks you know and me choosing on the weekend to consume an egg was literally the exact parallel to me choosing to say back at of kaputasana of my back hurts it's like i chose to lean into eating something that i felt my body really needed in that moment because that's what my body needed and so it's super interesting the way i feel like this practice parallels our nutrition because it really is it's a practice of consciousness. It's a practice of tuning into our body. And Ashtanga is super interesting because so much of the practice is about discernment. And my teacher, David says, it's like so much of the practice is about learning to discern between pain and discomfort, right? And so in the context of Kapotasana, it's like, okay, can you, you know, start to go through the motions, take some deep breaths, tune into your body, be like, okay, I feel a sensation. Is that sensation pain? Or is it discomfort? And then from that place of awareness, you can actually make a choice, right? And we can do the exact same thing in our food choices, right? So we can practice a level of discernment in our body on our yoga mat and have that level of discernment translate into every other area of our lives. And this is why having a sadhana is so important because we need that structure, we need that container that allows us to cultivate awareness and that demands that we cultivate discernment, right? So it's about awareness and tuning into our body, tuning into our mind, and then being able to discern between, you know, on the mat, we discern between say pain and discomfort. But, you know, in the context of our food choices, we're discerning between, okay, is this like in alignment with me? Or is this some sort of craving that comes from ego that isn't in alignment with me? Right, and there's no right or wrong here either. Right, like it's not like, and I don't want to um, admonish cravings and say like, oh, you should never crave anything, and you should never eat a donut because that's not quote unquote in alignment. Like, these choices have to come from you, right? Like, that's the thing is that like in this world, I just feel that we we give up a lot of our personal power to these external influences like Instagram influencers and what they have to say about nutrition, or we read a medical medium book or Wheat Belly. And we take that knowledge and that information, which has a lot of validity, and we take that as, as gospel. And oftentimes it's at the expense of our own inner wisdom that's telling us something vastly different. And so the structure of veganism sometimes is the same. And I'm not saying all the time, but sometimes you know, we identify, the ego identifies. We love to identify with things. And for a long time, I identified as a vegan. And I would still say I'm I don't know, like mostly vegan, <laughs> like my choices around food are in the trajectory of, you know, ahimsa. But I do want to be clear. I don't know if you can hear sats in the back, by the way. <laughs> um, I do want to be clear that we can still practice ahimsa and move in that trajectory without being a hundred percent vegan. And we can make choices around our food. For example, when I chose to a- eat that egg, I made my stepdad go out and get what I call happy eggs. So like from a farm, Like they live in a town where they literally go to a farm and they get their eggs. Uh Uh-oh, Sad's trying to get the... (laughs) She's trying to... No! We are back. And uh, (laughs) I don't know if you guys know this, but computers have a lot of buttons that are very exciting for tiny humans. So naturally she wants to press all the buttons. (laughs) Uh, Anyways, where was I? Happy eggs, right. I do think that there's a way. If you are someone who consumes animal products, there are more responsible ways of doing it, Um, favoring local and organic sources of meat and animal products and dairy, connecting with a local farmer. These are all ways that we can support not only our local economy, we can support our local farmers, but that we can create a smaller environmental impact and that we can start choosing um, products that are sustainably and responsibly raised. So I just wanted to share one last thing about, that I thought was really interesting Um, when I experienced, yep, come on up, (laughs) when I experienced this existential crisis. Um, When I look back to two years ago, when I had my first egg inside of veganism, and I look at how much conflict there was for me, and not necessarily around eating the egg, but around it fitting into this label I'd created for myself. And when I contrast that to now and how much more easefully I was able to tap into this craving, to tap into, okay, hmm, my body's wanting an egg and how seamlessly I was able to honor that craving without guilt and shame. It is astounding to me. And so I just want to share with you, because this is something I've seen consistently over and over again, after working with tens of people is that while we definitely want to move our life in the direction of nonviolence in all of our you know life our our actions our thoughts our food choices all well, that's great we also need to not over identify with external labels around food whether that's vegan whether that's clean eating because we we know obviously eating a healthy whole foods clean quote unquote diet is going to Be unharmful for our body. Like, that's a whole other probably podcast episode. (laughs) But we want to both follow some sort of structure, like some sort of um, framework around our food without being overly attached to the label and give ourselves room and permission. Just like I said, inside of like our physical practice, give ourselves room and permission to step back if we need to, to tune into our body and honor what it needs and and that awareness comes from practice like it comes over time you know like for me this has been really probably like a lifelong practice but even noticing the difference in the last 2 years how my perspective and approach to the practice of ashtanga has changed my approach to my i call it food sadhana <laughs> my food practice right like that has changed as well So I just want to share with you guys, because I see this all the time, people feel a lot of of guilt around this, or they feel a lot of shame, or they feel less than, and I just want you to know that there is no guilt or shame or anything when you are living in alignment with what feels right for you. And I think this is something, again, that comes over time. And this is where I feel, again, having a practice and getting tuned in and living in alignment is so important because a friend and I were talking about this in terms of practice. In Ashtanga, there is this ideal that you show up six days a week. But for some people, maybe you're a mom, you have a tiny human, or you get sick, or something happens and because, you know, life happens and you can't show up. We laugh that our teacher, David, he'll, uh, if you don't show up one day, he'll look you in the eyes and he'll be like, where were you yesterday? (laughs) And you're kind of like, oh God, you know, it feels like, you know, it feels like you skipped class, right? (laughs) And if you know that you didn't show up for like a legit reason, right? Like you didn't show up because you actually couldn't, there's absolutely no guilt because you know that what you were doing was in alignment. And so this is your ticket to freedom is alignment, like radical self-alignment, like learning how to tune into your body, into your mind, and then honoring what it is that you need And, and creating a framework around food and your lifestyle That is in radical alignment with your values, with how you want to feel and how you want to show up in the world. Because I think I said this earlier, but like you have a Dharma, you've got a big fat purpose here on planet earth. And if you're walking around feeling like garbage all the time, you actually can't fulfill that purpose and you need to feel nourished and sustained. And if you can't do that on a vegan diet, if you don't know how, holla at me and I will help you. But if being 100% vegan doesn't fully align for you, that's okay. Okay. I think that's all I have to say. And my tiny human is wanting me. So yeah, I just want to thank you guys for listening. I hope you found this episode helpful and supportive because I get messages all the time. And anytime I make a post about, you know, like not adhering or being bound by these external sort of ideals around our diet, people really resonate and people share with me their struggle, like their very real struggle about how they've felt like trapped by these external ideals around their diet and their yoga. And so I just want to create a space for you to understand that you are a unique, bio-individual, multi-dimensional being who requires something different from Susan. (laughs) I'm using Susan as like a random name, (laughs) But, you know, just because veganism works for Susan doesn't mean that veganism is going to work for you. And just because keto worked for Barbara doesn't mean, (laughs) Barbara, I don't know who Barbara is, but you know what I mean? Just because something works for someone else doesn't mean it works for you. You are a unique expression of the universe, different from everybody. You know, you have something unique in you that's different to everyone else. And while we're like the same, we come from the same stuff, you know? Ayurveda says we all come... I'm going off again. Sorry. (laughs) Ayurveda says we come from the five elements and we are all different manifestations of the five elements. We're different manifestations of the five elements and every body is going to require something a little bit different. And Ayurveda is so interesting because it gives us this language and this framework to talk about those differences, right? We can use the language of the doshas. We can use the language of the attributes. We can use the language of the gunas to describe ourselves ourselves to describe food, to describe how we're feeling, and we can use that to create alignment. So I think Ayurveda is super interesting in this, but it's also, Ayurveda is not the be all and end all, right? We use Ayurveda, the language of Ayurveda, the wisdom of Ayurveda as a tool to tune back into our wisdom. You dig? Does that make sense? Okay. (laughs) Anyway, I could talk about this all day. But alas, I must mom and I must go. (laughs) But again, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you found this helpful. And if you did, I would love for you to share this with people. Share this with someone who you think would really benefit from this episode. Um, Share it on the social media. Tag me. Let me know you're watching. I love to see you guys listening to these episodes. Um, And if you enjoyed it, you could also give it um, a review over on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast. That helps other people find the podcast and get the wisdoms. And if you have any suggestions or recommendations for different things that you want me to talk about on the podcast, you can send me an email to hello at melissasing.com or you can just shoot me a DM over on Instagram. I'm pretty active over there at yogifuel. And if you haven't already, um, the first step to really tuning into our body is understanding our dosha. Like I said, it gives us that framework. So I'm going to pop in my dosha quiz that I've now started including like a little mini training on the doshas. So if you don't already have my dosha quiz, you don't know your dosha and you want to kind of do a little bit more of a deep dive into your dosha, definitely take that quiz and um, I'll shoot you guys a little mini training. All right. Me and Sats are signing off. Sats, can you say bye guys? Can you say it again into the microphone? guys. Bye guys. Oh, can you say see you later? Oh my goodness. Can you even handle it? I can't. Side note, I'm going to say one last thing. She calls this microphone a podcast. It's so cute. (laughs) Okay. Actually leaving. Thank you guys for listening. Hope you're having a wonderful day, wonderful week, wonderful month, wonderful year, wonderful life, (laughs) and I'll see you next week. Bye.